Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. They have to understand I chose to, to stay in my country because I'm French. And I've got a problem with soccer, to be fair. Football. What I can guarantee to you is that they want to keep everything secret. Welcome to House of Champions, YouTube friends, dropping your comments and questions in that chat. And make sure you smash the like and subscribe buttons as we talk with the main man himself, Fabrizio Romano. Here we go. I'm Ian Joy, and I'm joined by the House of Champion lads. Yes, there's Nigel Rio Coker and Jonathan Johnson, plus the hardest working and most fascinating man on the internet. That's Fabrizio Romano. Fab, how you doing? All good, all good, my friend. Thank you. Always a pleasure to be here, ready for this final week. Then we have the final two days next week, but this week will be crucial for sure. Yeah, let's absolutely have it. If you've got a question for Fab or the boys, please drop it in the comments. We'll try to get the best ones to Fabrizio as quickly as he possibly can. I know JJ and Nigel are eager to talk about this subject, but I'm going to begin it here. Juventus nightmare is how I have titled it. Fabrizio, 15-point deduction, financial irregularities. I mean, what has the reaction been in Italy, around the media, around the fans, and around Juve in particular to this incredible fine? Yes, this was not expected, honestly. It was expected fine, maybe different kind of points, not, not 15 points. So it's really surprising to the Italian press and Italian fans also, I would say, in, uh, in general, of course, Juventus fans in this case. The reaction is also on the transfer market side is something expected, I would say, because the reality is that Juventus did almost nothing in this January transfer window because they knew that the situation was in danger. Also, on the financial point of view, they wanted to be quiet on this January transfer window. So, as we said many times, we had many rumors about Juventus, new signings, new players. But the reality is that really nothing happened. Just some call to sell some player like Weston McKennie, but then no official bids on the table. And so Juventus were really quiet. And so the reality is that with the with this point deduction now, I expect Juventus to be, again, really quiet this window, uh, this final week, and then to be probably busy next summer with a real rebuilding of the squad, trusting young players as they are already doing, because they have very good talents like uh, Miretti, Fagioli, Rovella will be back. They have very good talents, but now it's time for them to be quiet on the market and then restart next summer. Fab, great timing. Uh, brilliant to have you on, obviously, to, to dissect all of this. Uh, realistically, what does this now mean uh, you know, for Juve moving forward? You've already sort of hinted at it a little bit because, you know, let's be realistic about Juve's chances. I'm not going to say Champions League is completely gone, but it's going to take, you know, a momentous uh, second half of the season to, to salvage, you know, something like that. Uh, you know, it's pretty unlikely. They might yes. be able to scrape European qualification, but... In terms of the squad rebuilding, obviously this hits their ability to attract players, but also uh, it might impact their ability to extract uh, you know, fees as well. Is there a chance now that some of Europe's bigger clubs are looking at this situation thinking that maybe it's a good time to test the water, maybe lowball them with an offer for a player who's 
you know, maybe a bit up in the air about whether their future is going to be at the club or not. I'm thinking the likes of Laovic and uh, potentially get themselves a bargain there. Yes, I think this is um, something normal in football when a club is in a difficult situation to see many other top clubs uh, jumping there and, uh, and trying to find an opportunity. But honestly, for January, I don't see Juventus doing nothing. Also on the outgoings, also on players like Dusan Blaovic or Federico Chiesa. I saw many rumours because it's normal when we saw this, this breaking news of Juventus with the points deducted. It's normal to have this kind of stories. But the reality I'm told is that Juventus will do nothing in January. This is something that could happen in the summer because with no Champions League, as you mentioned, uh, Juventus have to be careful with the situation, for example, of Dusan Vlaovic, uh, Federico Chiesa, there are many important players uh, and we have to keep an eye on the situation. For example, Vlaovic, I'm told he's in the list of many clubs because he was already in the list of many clubs when he decided to join Juventus. Next summer will be really busy for strikers. So Victor Zeman, let's see what happens with Eric Kane, let's see what happens with Vlaovic. And so in this domino, Vlaovic is one to watch because he could be interesting for English clubs, probably for Bayern, for many clubs around Europe. So to answer your question, I think yes, but next summer, not in January. All right, let's get into some of the comments here. We've got a great one coming in from uh, Rafa. He says, hi, Fabrizio. It's pretty much similar to what you just mentioned about Juventus being forced to sell players. But he's basically asking about the future of Weston McKinney. I know he played yesterday. Obviously, a fantastic game to watch for the neutral, not so much for a Juventus fan out there. But what about Weston? I mean, what about players like Weston who are kind of on the bubble? He's in the starting 11. He's doing okay. But realistically, you could see Weston playing somewhere else at some time in the near future. I think it's a possibility. It remains a possibility for the final days of the window. Depends on the proposals because Juventus was only approached for proposals on, on loan for Weston McKenney. It was Aston Villa interest and some other club in England, but no one arrived maybe with 15, 18 million euros what Juventus want for Weston McKenney. Also Tottenham have always been interested in McKenney, but it was only a loan opportunity. I think Juventus will let him go in case they have a loan with obligation to buy clothes included or maybe a permanent move. I don't see Juventus accepting a straight loan for, for Weston McKenney. Also because it's not easy to replace an import player like him who is always playing because at the end also in January we know that he's available on the market but the reality is he's always playing and I also see many people mentioning Adrian Rabiot this is another interesting situation because uh, this mm, points deduction uh, situation will impact also on Adrian Rabiot contract extension with Juventus because he's yeah. out of contract in the summer and I don't see Juventus being able to reach an agreement with Rabiot on 7-8 million euros net per season I think Rabiot will have a chance to leave on a free I'm told that Rabiot wants Premier League as the next step of his career so keep an eye on Rabiot for next summer as a free agent, but also Alexandro will be available on free. Probably Juan Cuadrado will be available on free. So many opportunities of players who are not going to extend their contracts. Wow. Fab, I'm going to be uh, selfish and hijack this for Aston Villa <laughs> needs and wants at this moment in time. You said that, that Villa didn't sort of take their interest in McKenney any further. Is that because they're focusing entirely on Guendouzi now for, for this transfer window? Because that's obviously a name that's popped up a lot, especially over the weekend on, uh, on Villa Twitter. Yes, uh, the focus for Aston Villa is on Ganduzi. Yes, absolutely. They they want this player. Una Yemer is in love with the player. They already had conversations on player side. Let's see how the negotiation with Marseille will go because we know it's always tough to negotiate with Marseille for important players and how important he is for uh, Igor Tudor and for the World Club. So not an easy negotiation, but it's true that he's top of the list for Aston Villa. Also, Olympic Marseille are now closing in on a deal to sign uh, Ivan Ilic from Verona, one of the most talented midfielders we have in Serie A. He was close to joining Torino. Also, Napoli were following him and now Marseille are closing on this deal for the summer so they would sign him now but then he would join the club in the summer and so I think the Ganduzi situation is one to watch this week because Villa will push and in particular Unai Emery is in love with the player 
Can't believe we switched to Aston Villa right there from everything that's happened at UB. <laughs> but thanks, JJ, for that one. Let's get back to the subject here because this pretty much affects Tottenham Hotspur. Uh, Fabrizio, we've got a couple of questions coming in from the viewers right now. We'll begin with Brogan Klasper. He said, afternoon, guys. Fab, do you expect Spurs to stick with uh, Patrici uh, following the verdict on his involvement? And also, we've got a second question coming in from Tom Markanen. He said, did, uh, did Levy know about this situation before making him director of football? Sort of a two-part question right there. I think he didn't know about all the details of this situation, but honestly, in Italy, we knew how Juventus and many other clubs, because the reality is that it was not just Juventus, but many other clubs in Italy were working on this kind of plus Valenza stories of capital gain violence. So we knew about the situation. I don't know how much Levy knew about the wall story, but I'm sure that the, the system was was pretty clear. So. Uh, this is the, the reality. To answer the first question about uh, about Tottenham, honestly, they are not commenting on this story. So, honestly, I don't know. Let's see how they will react. It will be an official position, I think, in the next days when the situation will be official and clear also on their side. Uh, what I can say is that Fabio Paratic is taking care of all the negotiations now for Tottenham. So the Zaniolo deal, for example, Paratic is working on it. The Pedro Porro deal with Sporting, Paratic is working on it. So at the moment, he is 100% working for, for Tottenham. Then let's see what the, the club will state. Fabrizio, uh, as we're talking about Tottenham, have you got any more news on the manager himself, Antonio Conte? Because obviously he doesn't look too happy at Tottenham still, still moaning about investments. If Antonio Conte leaves Tottenham, have you heard any other rumours of managers that they've already been having conversations with? No, I can say that from what I'm told, Tottenham are not having conversation with any other manager at the moment. Uh, of course, they know that working with Antonio Conte is not so easy. I think he's one of the best managers in the world, but you have to support him. And it's pretty clear that it's not easy at the moment to find the balance between Tottenham ideas, Tottenham vision and Antonio Conte ideas. He wants experienced player and Tottenham are going many times with young players. So there are some differences and this is why the situation is, is not easy. Um, so the expectation at the moment is to continue, of course, with Antonio until the end of the season and then to decide about the future. Antonio has not decided anything now. He has not communicated that he's going to leave the club. He has not communicated that he's going to extend the contract. We had many rumours before the World Cup. It was November about Conte extending the contract with Tottenham. What I can say is that at the moment there is not even a negotiation between Tottenham and Conte. It's not about the money. It's not about the length of the contract. It's about Antonio's feelings. He wants to feel uh, the, the right project. He wants to feel that it's the right decision also for his family. His family is crucial. And so this is going to be a key point for Antonio to decide. So at the moment it's, it's a really open situation between Tottenham and Conte. And there is a chance for him to leave at the end of the season but it's not something decided so I think it's something that Antonio will decide for example in April in May when the situation will be pretty clear on the table and also on the future of Tottenham project Fab obviously uh, you know we've got a lot of names thrown in the mix like Zaniolo and Porro but uh, sticking with Spurs uh, and with the Paratici subject just for a moment uh, it's my understanding, I think, that for the moment his suspension only applies to Italian football, but there's a possibility that it, that could change sort of in the next month or so as the investigation deepens. Do you think that Tottenham may well stick with him up until the results uh, of that continued investigation are known and then maybe their hand is forced uh, and at this moment in time maybe try and capitalise on having him uh, you know, at the club for the moment and maybe go and push big for somebody like a Zaniolo or Poro? Yes, they are giving him, uh, as of today, full confidence. Then let's see how they will react to the final decision because, as we mentioned, they have the chance, of course, Fabio Paratic and all the people involved in this story, including Juventus, to appeal. So there will be another step and this is going to be important to understand what's going to, to happen. But as I mentioned before, and Fabio Paratic is taking care of important negotiations because these are important players uh, if they will be able to sign them for, for Tottenham Project. Fabio Paratic is taking care also of the contract extensions. So at the moment, it's pretty clear that they are still trusting his work uh, and they gave him 
in the, the key of the club. So at the moment, he's in full control. Then let's see, I think after the final step of the story, will Tottenham will decide. Because at the moment, they're not commenting. So I also try to understand the uh, big people into the club. Uh, and also Daniel Levy said, what was the position? And at the moment, they make no comments. They let Paratici work. And then when the situation will be clear, I think they will make official statement to clarify the situation. You're watching House of Champions and Fabrizio Romano with Ian Joy, Nigel Rio Coker and Jonathan Johnson. Uh, let's get straight back into it. Spurs, we'll stick on it because JJ just mentioned it. Um, obviously, Zaniolo, and we have a lot of questions here about Pedro Porro. A lot of people are asking about Real Madrid link, but Spurs also very heavily linked with uh, Porro as well. So what is the latest on Zaniolo in particular and also Porro? Yes, for Zaniolo, is um, not so easy in a situation. Yesterday, Jose Mourinho said, uh, I think at the end he will stay here, but it's true that he wants to leave. Zaniolo wants to go. Zaniolo wants to try a new chapter, a new opportunity, probably a new league, because Premier League would be uh, a dream for Nicolo Zaniolo, from what I'm told. So there are conversations ongoing between Tottenham and Roma. But for Tottenham, it's pretty clear that they will only proceed with a loan deal, with a buy option clause included, but a loan deal, not a permanent move. And Roma, at the moment, they are asking for a permanent deal for Nicolo Zaniolo, a permanent fee around 35 40 million euros Tottenham are not offering that money they're offering a loan with a buy option close so there is still conversation I think this week uh, there will be new meetings and new discussions between Tottenham and Roma to clarify this Zaniolo situation but they like the player Paratic has always been a big fan of Zaniolo since he was uh, Juventus director he tried to sign Zaniolo for, for Juventus so I'm sure that Tottenham will try again in the next days to find a solution with Roma Pedro Porro is another complicated situation because of Sporting Sporting have uh, included a release clause into his contract is 45 million euros and when they extended the contract of the manager, Ruben Amorim, when he decided to sign a new deal with Sporting in November, they promised to him that they were not going to sell any player, any important player in January, just if clubs paid the release close. So it's up to Tottenham. 45 million euros or nothing. This is what Sporting are saying to Tottenham. But Tottenham are trying. Tottenham are pushing. They know the player is keen on the move. Tottenham tried to include a player in the negotiation a few days ago and Sporting said no. So they're trying to find a good formula to sign Pedro Porro. But I'm sure that these two players are top targets for Tottenham. Fab, switching to the other side of the Spurs-Arsenal rivalry and with the Gunners, we had uh, an interesting onlooker uh, over the weekend in the victory against Manchester United, uh, Jakub Kivio, I think it's pronounced. Uh, he was spotted yes. at the Emirates Stadium. What uh, What's the latest on that? I think you reported over the weekend that there's been a medical uh, that's taken place. Is this one close to being done? Yes, it's done. We can say it's done. Uh, he's signing his contract while we're speaking. Now they are with all the documents, uh, signing, making official pictures, but it's done. Jakub Kivior will be new Arsenal player. A really interesting deal, I think, because this guy has an incredible potential, was doing very well with uh, with Poland and, of course, with Spezia also in, uh, in Serie A, with many clubs tracking him, because Milan wanted to sign him last summer for next summer, so to do a deal for, for the future. Juventus have sent their scouts multiple times to follow him. Uh, West Ham had a bid rejected at the end of August for 12 million euros, so many clubs were, were tracking this boy. Arsenal have been very good to be under the radar on this deal and then to attack the situation at the right moment. It's a deal for 21 million euros plus four in the don'ts, so 25 million euros package. The guy will sign a contract till 2028, so everything is done. The medical was on Saturday. As you mentioned, yesterday he was at Emirates Stadium too. Uh-oh. Breaking news and he's just frozen. <laughs> he's had a very important phone call. No. Hey, FaceTime, FaceTime. Oh, that was that was Kivor. Kivor was on the phone there for me. No, no, so no, 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 no. I think that was fine. Okay, good. You're good. You're good. That no, was no, great. No. As, I, as I was mentioning, everything is done. So he will be the second signing after Leandro Torsart. 
Hey, we love uh, Here We Go right here on House of Champions. That's why we're here for BTO, because you are our champion. Uh, we got to get to some of the comments because there are a ton of them coming in here. Um, Abdulia, he's asking about Ivan Fresneda to Arsenal or Dortmund. So is Aaron Alexander. He's saying, updates on Fresneda uh, choosing from Arsenal or Dortmund. We know that Dortmund offers more playing time to young players, but loaning back the players straight after buying means Arsenal has a chance. Do Arsenal have a chance? What's going on there? Arsenal have a chance, for sure. I'm told that he's not agreed with any club yet. The reality is that all these clubs, we always mentioned Arsenal, Borussia Dortmund and many others also in Germany. So there are many clubs tracking this boy. Uh, all these clubs know that the player is available for 15 million euros. This is kind of close he has on the contract. So this is why all these clubs are uh, really keen on signing Fresneda. He's really talented. The boy born in 2004, he's playing at high level with uh, Valladolid. So he's a very good player. And this is why all the clubs know about this fee. But it's on the player. His agents are now in London, arriving today to meet with all the clubs and to decide what's the best step for the player. So Arsenal have a chance for sure. Borussia Dortmund are still there. There are also other German clubs, I'm told, because Newcastle have been tracking him for a long time, but at the moment, no decision made yet. And so the situation is open, but I think in two, three days, it will be clear where Fresneda will play. Mm. Quick one for me, Fab. Two for the price of one. Kamavinga, loan move to Arsenal, I've heard about. And then also Declan Rice situation. For Declan Rice, is something that we have to follow in the summer because in January he's not leaving West Ham. So it's true that Arsenal internally are discussing about Declan Rice. I'm told that right after the Mikhailo Mudrik story, uh, they had a meeting, in a meeting planning for present, Trossard, Kivior and more, and future. And in that meeting was mentioned also Declan Rice as a possibility, a player they really like. But at the moment, we can say it's a deal or negotiation because they are not speaking to West Ham and they are not speaking to the agents. It's just an internal idea and we have to see how it will follow in the next months after the January transfer window. For Kamavinga, no way. Kamavinga no way because Kamavinga will stay at Real Madrid. Kamavinga is really happy at Real Madrid. Ancelotti is really happy with him. The player wants to stay. Real Madrid wants him to stay. So I think it's almost impossible to see Kamavinga leaving, especially on loan. That would be mad. So Kamavinga is staying. Yeah, you're watching House of Champions. Please make sure if you're jumping in the comments there not to absolutely throw it multiple times in there. We will block you for a few minutes so you, you keep the, the flow of the conversation. So many people want to get questions to Fabrizio. We already have one. Here we go. Let's see if we can get another sometime pretty soon. Let's talk about Enzo Fernandez, one of the most important and enjoyable players, certainly from the World Cup as, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, we've got a great question coming in from Philip. He says, could uh, Newcastle United break Enzo Fernandez bio option in their financial fair play? Good question. But what is the latest on Enzo as well. Not easy, not easy because for uh, Rui Costa, Benfica president, the situation is clear. Now we are at the end of the market and what you always mention is that he was open to negotiate uh, always for the close value but maybe on different payment terms, on different installments. So this is why they were open to negotiate but at the end of December, first week of January, not at the end of the market. So now it's going to be really complicated for English clubs or clubs in general to approach Benfica and pay less than 120 million euros. So I think it's going to be a difficult deal for sure people close to the player are still working on possibilities so I would keep the Enzo Fernandez situation open until the end of the of the window because there is a close but it's a really big close and Benfica have no intention to negotiate so it's not going to be an easy one Bit of a rarity this one Fab we talk about so many players coming in for Chelsea but I'm going to ask you about a potential outgoing uh, Hakim Ziyech has there been any uh, you know any update on his situation I feel like he's a guy that we've been discussing as potentially leaving Stamford Bridge now for you know for quite a few windows I'm uh, just wondering if there's any latest on uh, his situation. Yes, it's possible for him to leave in this final week of, of January transfer window. There are some clubs interested, including Everton. For example, Roma also asked for information on the situation of Jack because 
probably Zaniolo will leave, and so for them it's normal to look for a replacement, but it's not easy at all for Roma because of the salary. So let's see how these clubs will decide to proceed. At the moment, there is still no official negotiation with Chelsea, but there are many clubs interested. So I would not be surprised if this time that Ziyech will have the chance to leave. I think also the player knows that uh, his performances are great when he's consistent, when he has the chance to play, when he's always in the starting eleven, as we saw at the World Cup. And so there is an opportunity for Ziyech to leave. Let's see which club will pay what Chelsea wants. Hey Fabrizio, I just want to turn the subject to, to Bundesliga if it's okay. I know we've got a couple of minutes left with you, but this sure. is for me personally. I want to ask about Borussia Dortmund. They just signed uh, Mukoko to an extension, which is great news for Dortmund. But I'm also hearing that they're putting severe pressure on Jude Bellingham to extend his stay in Dortmund. Basically, you're having a lot of legends in the media saying, if Jude wants to continue to learn, continue to development, the best place for him to do that is at Borussia Dortmund instead of going to the Premier League while he's so young or instead of going to a bigger club like uh, Barcelona or Real Madrid while he's young. So are you sensing that there's a lot of pressure on Bellingham? And by the way, yesterday he scored a phenomenal goal and put in another wonderful performance. He is an unbelievable talent. I agree. Unbelievable player, but I think it's going to be really difficult for Borussia Dortmund to kick Jude Bellingham for one more season. Because really, behind the scenes, the situation is really crazy. All the big clubs are moving. I'm told that Jurgen Klopp is calling uh, almost every day to have updates on the situation of Jude Bellingham. Uh, for sure, Chelsea, I think in the summer, will go for an important midfielder. Let's see what happens now with Enzo Fernandez and more Caicedo. But Bellingham is a player they appreciate. Manchester City are in the race for Jude Bellingham. 100%. Man City are interested. He knows he has a great relationship with, uh, with Erling Haaland. And so keep an eye also on Man City. Real Madrid are following the situation of Jude Bellingham and also had some contacts on player side. So it's a big fight. And I think what these big clubs are moving is really difficult for Borussia Dortmund or any other club in the world to keep the player. So I'm sure they will try because it's normal to try in case the player will say, OK, I will stay for one more season. But the feeling I have speaking to sources close to negotiation is that at the end he will leave in the summer. All right, we're out of time with Fabrizio Romano, but we're going to take one last question before we let the great mind go. AFC Cape Town asking Fabrizio. I know you watched the game. Who was your man of the match last night at the Emirates? Cracking game between Arsenal and Manchester United. Let's turn to the analyst side of your brain, Fabrizio. Who was man of the match? No doubt, so you mentioned Zinchenko. The mentality of this boy is something that is, one, I think, one of the secrets of Arsenal dressing room in general, not just for that match. The mentality to have players who know how to win, who know how to be in the dressing room, I think makes the difference. It's not just about the quality, the goals, the assists, but it's about the mentality. I think Zinchenko is bringing something special to Arsenal dressing room. And so congrats to them because their market was perfect. They, their team looks perfect. And so the atmosphere in the dressing room is something really special. It's not just on the pitch. And this is the real secret, I think. Yeah, no doubt about it. Fabrizio, thank you so much. We really appreciate you. Thank we'll you. see you again on Wednesday. Make sure everybody out there goes and follows. It's an important week for Fabrizio. We're going to get him thank back you. here on Wednesday, see if we can get a few more. Here we go. So Fabrizio, <laughs> we appreciate you. Everybody go follow him as much as you possibly can. We're going to take a quick break. More to come from the boys when we return. Keep those questions coming in. We discuss Juventus's mess a little bit more in detail with the boys. And of course, Matteo Benetti will join us in just a moment. House of Champions will be right back after this break. Well, don't miss out on any of this area action. Follow some of the biggest stars in the sport like Olivier Giroud, Rafael Leao, Lautaro Martinez as they try to lead their teams to Scudetto. How will the table change going forward? Which club has the best chance of winning it all? Which clubs have the most to lose? Find out all of the answers and stream every single match from Italy's top soccer league live only on Paramount+. Plus. Try one month free with promo code Serie 
Ah, welcome back. You're watching House of Champions, everybody. And speaking of Paramount Plus, speaking of Serie A, here's the man, the encyclopedia, the man who's helped me so much with Italian football in general, Matteo Benetti, debut on House of Champions. How you doing, buddy? How you doing, Ian? I feel like your energy is a little bit flat. I was expecting more of the vintage Ian Joy to introduce me. I mean, normally that's not your issue. I'll tell you why. I wanted you to get purple in the face. But uh, he's got the um, German flag on there. That's why energy's flat, mate. Ah, he's more, personality okay. coming out in him now. All right. You, you no, don't I want Scottish joy. Hey, Matteo, how you doing, man? This was a great game yesterday. Watch the coverage on Paramount Plus. You guys are absolutely crushing it this season. And I'll tell you, the, the Serie A campaign over the last few seasons has been so entertaining. It's probably been the most exciting title races across all of the top five European leagues. And we have another battle as well. But the story has, of course, been Juventus this weekend. And that was a great game yesterday. Ended up in a draw. I didn't know which way it was going to go. What was your overall analysis of that match? It was such a weird game to get into as a commentator because we had spent the previous 40 minutes discussing this whole case with Juventus and you know what that means for Italian football and how that's cast this dark shadow over the league once again. And, and we've all followed it. Remember what happened in the mid-2000s with Calciopoli 1. So to have this rear its ugly head again, it's hard to then get into the game. But I'm fortunate. I think we're all fortunate that the game went as it did because I feel like it was a nice uh, sort of reminder of what City is really all about, which is what happens on the pitch. It was, it was a great game. It's almost like d- deduct 15 points every time from Juventus if that's how they respond and go play. It was one of the most entertaining games from like a, a, an eye test standpoint, right? They were actually attacking Atalanta. They were pressing. Normally they sit back. They're too pragmatic. They allow the opposition to have all the all the possession. And it's so frustrating because you know that if Max Allegri, the manager, just goes through those gears a little bit more and, and actually gets this team to play the way that they could, given the talent that they have, that it would be a, a bit more enjoyable from a, from a neutral standpoint. And that's what we had. Hey, real quickly, before we get into it, um, of course, with Juventus, we want to hear all the deep, dark secrets that you know about Juve and the mess that it is right now. But Atalanta and, and Lukman, I mean, yesterday, once again, I thought, all right, at some point, this run's got to stop. But Lukman looks like he's found a real home at Atalanta, the way they play. And they are in great form right now, scoring goals for fun. I mean, what is it about Atalanta that makes Lukman feel like he's at home? It's one of the revelations of the season, um, Ian. And, and Lookman's someone that has actually garnered some big transfers in the past. He went for around 10 million euro from uh, from Charlton, went from Everton to Leipzig for about 18 million euros. So this is still someone that had a bit of buzz when he was a younger player, but he was never able to put it together like he did now. I mean, he's had six goals with Leicester was his top scoring season. He's on pace for 22 if anyone's watched Atalanta since Giampiero Gasperini took over in 2016, don't know that he just gets the best out of attacking players. He's done it with Luis Muriel. Luis Muriel had a season where he was right there with Robert Lewandowski in terms of goals to minute, about a goal every 65 minutes, which is insane. And now he's doing this with, with Lookman, who, you know, when he joined City, I don't think anyone was really talking about him. I mean, unless you're a Leicester fan and you know he could produce in spurts. But he's done it now consistently, and I think this is just the product of a team that is all-out attack, that has a manager that really takes a lot of chances, that puts these attackers, whether you're a winger, an attacking midfielder, a striker, or even a wingback. He got 12 goals from Robin Gosens, who's a, who's a wingback. Um, it, it's like the best school. It's like an Ivy League for an attacking player where he's going to get the best out of you. And we're seeing that now with Lookman, who has been the revelation of the season, really alongside Kavicha Kavaratshelia. 
But a quick question from me. Back to, to Juventus. In your opinion, yeah. why always Juventus? Like you said, it's sticking its ugly head in again. Juventus went through a similar situation <laughs> in the 90s. Why is it always Juventus that kind of brings this dark cloud and shadow over Italian football? Yeah, and, and it's a completely different, you know, everything's changed since the, the what happened in 2006 with Calciopoli, which had to do with referees and, and trying to get a bit of advantage from referees. This is a completely different scandal and one that has to do with accounting. I mean, it's it's the, the simple way of saying it is they're trying to fix the capital gains, shady accounting practices. They're artificially inflating transfer fees. So basically to, to dumb it down, what they've been doing is let's say they sell a, a player for 10 million euro, right? And then they buy a player for 10 million euro, but they spread out that contract over five seasons. They basically can say that it was an 8 million euro profit. And a lot of teams do this, right? This is no secret. A lot of teams spread out the cost of a player over a certain amount of years. But what they then did is they artificially increased the values of players to to try to balance the books, to try to balance the capital gains. And it, it, there were some egregious examples. I, mean, I think the, the Miral and Pjanic for our tour swap where both the players were giving like a 65 million valuation was crazy. But then you go and you see all these players that have never even stepped foot on Serie A going for 8 to 12 million. And, and, you know, there's like a laundry list of these players. Now, other teams have done this. But the problem with Juventus is twofold. The problem is, one, there's wiretaps and there's written statements hmm. that kind of confirm what they were trying to do. And, you know, the second one is that they're a public company. They're in the stock exchange in Italy. So they have a duty to the shareholders to be very accurate with what's happening behind the scenes in the books. So this is a massive problem. And this is really what's going to now, you know, bring in the, the, the criminal charges, too, of, you know, the, of, of exactly the extent of what they were doing. It is not good news for Juventus all across the board. Matteo, great to have you on. And uh, I feel like this is a bit of a league on reunion with uh, you, Ian, and I from uh, many moons ago. But uh, sticking yeah. with this idea of Juve, something that's made me curious is uh, Pavel Nedved's role in all of this. Obviously, legendary former player. Uh, you know, what does this do to, to his reputation and his potential sort of future, if there is any future for him uh, at an executive level? Yeah, it's a, I mean, it's a great question. Uh, I think when they all stepped down midway through the World Cup, because we, we had heard murmurs, Jonathan, that there was this investigation, but as a, everything in Italy, you know, you expect it to be drawn out and to take years. But when the entire board suddenly stepped down midway through the World Cup, I think that was a clear signal of something bad is about to happen right behind the corner. I, I was shocked that the 15-point deduction came this early. I thought this was something that was going to you know, continue through the court system and, and maybe be done at the end of the season. But for it to happen only a month after the whole board stepped down, I, sadly now, or not sadly, depending on which side of the fence you stand on, Andrea Agnelli, Pavel Nedved, you know, these are names that are now going to be tainted for much of the footballing community and be synonymous with this whole disaster that Juventus now find themselves in. Hey, Matteo, I got to get back to it with the players more than anything else, because I've been really impressed with the, what the players have done, obviously under Allegri defensively outstanding yeah. until they faced Napoli and then got humiliated in many ways and love to see the breakdown from yourself and uh, Marco and Grella on site. I mean, that's brilliant to see that type of breakdown as to what actually went wrong. But how do you expect the players to react to this? Because a lot of players now 
normally they look for an exit route. They're like, okay, no, doesn't look like we're going to have European football next season. Looks like uh, we're going to be in an uphill battle with a lot of fans. And I saw yesterday a lot of empty seats inside the stadium, which is unusual for Juve. I mean, what is the plan now for the players? Do you think Allegri will be able to get them back on board to buy into his ways to try and get results and keep on these good results going forward so that maybe they end up in a European place and find some success? Are you expecting a lot of the top players to just look for an exit? So when this happened in 2006, if you remember the Juventus team that went to City B, which is much harsher than what's happening now, they actually got relegated. A lot of the, the senators, as they say, the, the people with the biggest influence behind the scenes, the Alessandro Del Piero, Gigi Buffon, a lot of the big players, David Trezeguet, stayed at the team and played a whole season in Serie B, which is just crazy to say. So if Juventus can bounce back from that, this obviously doesn't feel as severe as dropping an entire league. The response, a lot of the players went to social media. They posted the Juventus flag. Allegri said that this is the time now that they all have to stick together. And the response from what we saw on Sunday indicates towards a locker room that I, that looks united. But Ian as, and, and Nigel, as two former players, you know that that has to be in the back of their mind is suddenly the uncertainty. Because before it looked like there were going to be a lock for a top four finish, maybe challenge for the Scudetto and you're back in the Champions League, hopefully get out of the group stage next season. But now UEFA is also looking at Juventus, and there's this potential, too, that they're not only kicked out of European competitions, but that it goes for several seasons where they're completely banned from European competitions because they're looking now at financial fair play. Did Juventus actually have the money to to meet the FFP uh, regulations to be able to play in the Champions League? So that's a whole other element. So there's all these different cases and all these different scenarios of what happens in Syria, what happens in with UEFA, with Juventus. Imagine they win the Europa League. Do they then not go to the Champions League? We know that Champions League is a massive draw for players. It's one of the best scouting tools we can offer you. Champions League and the money that comes with it for a team with Juventus that has losses last year of around 250 million euro. Yeah, they, they're desperate for the Champions League revenue. That, that comes with being in that, in that competition. So it, it cannot, there's no good news in any of this long term unless the appeals to the sporting court and the 15 point deduction gets reversed. They're packing the board now, Juventus, with, with lawyers, with, with people who can handle the situation better than how the whole Calciopoli scandal in the mid 2000s was handled. And sort of keeping with the kind of off the pitch ramifications for a moment, Matteo, what does this mean sort of globally for the image of Serie A? Obviously, it's not positive, but I've been reading uh, sort of the last couple of days about people sort of in Italy, uh, you know, cancelling subscriptions, not wanting to watch Serie A anymore because of the fact that, you know, obviously Juve is such a, a big draw for them to now be sort of mired in this uh, you know, mess. Uh, is, there, is it there a potential for it to sort of tarnish uh, Calcio's image uh, across uh, Europe, certainly in the short term? Look, the, the whole thing of cancelling the streaming service, there's been a bit made of that in Italy where there's a lot of people that are cancelling uh, the, the, the streaming service of the rights holders over there. But I mean, I, I think that's a, a reactionary thing. And, and also for, for the Juventus fans, I understand that they're not pleased, but what what did you want? Did you want nothing to happen? Because there is plenty of evidence that there was 
some sort of wrongdoing. I, they feel hard done by, but then do we just brush this aside? Would you have rather nothing happened to Juventus and that they can just continue in this practice? Because what Juventus did actually hurts a lot of the smaller Serie A teams. It, it benefits them and it hurts a lot of the teams that then have to sell their best players and are at a loss anyway. So, you know, what, what do you want to do? Okay, you don't want to watch Juventus anymore. Uh, I mean, <laughs> what can I say about that? Of course, it it, it it does affect the league. It's This is bad PR for the league. But the league bounced back from Calciopoli. I, I think the league's kind of been flat to up. We, we've seen, obviously, with teams uh, like Napoli in the Champions League, there's been a lot of good buzz around the league this season and the entirety of the league isn't just Juventus. There's also Milan, there's Inter, there's this amazing story of Napoli, which was actually kind of like the Cinderella story of what they could potentially do winning their first Scudetto in in over 30 years since the days of Diego Maradona. So there's a lot of good that's happened. There's a lot of young, fun players. You know, this this isn't the end all now of Serie A. Serie A, sadly, has bounced back from much worse than this. Matteo, I love the fact of what you're saying and how um, you're educating us so much what's going on in the league and the fact that you said also these practices are something that a lot of clubs do. And I know there's a club in the Premier League that seems to be doing it where they're buying players and giving them extended contracts, working those loopholes. I'm not going to name no names, but we know who that team is. But let's go to one of my favourite teams, Matteo, Napoli. Napoli right now are absolutely sensational. I'm in love with what they do, the approach, the style of play. It's safe to say that none of their top stars are going to leave in this window for sure with the chance of winning the uh, Scudetto. One question I've got for you in Napoli. Have you been surprised at how hard Koulibaly has found it in the Premier League since leaving Napoli? So that, that's, a, that's a really interesting question because when Koulibaly left Napoli, I think the, the, the feeling with the fan base was we're not going to be able to replace this guy. So what Napoli did with Koulibaly is what they did across the board. They got rid of these aging players that were maybe at the tail end of their prime, entering their twilight, that had massive wages, Lorenzo Insigne, Koulibaly, Drews Mertens, and they refreshed. So the player that they got in Koulibaly's place, Kim Min Jae, was relatively unheard of. He came from the Turkish league, and he's been performing up to the level of the best version of Koulibaly. They do not miss Koulibaly at all. And this is Napoli's best season that they've had, you know, setting records in the Champions League group stage midway through the season as winter champions. Koulibaly was a player that in recent seasons, he had a few mistakes starting to creep in. You know, he's one of the best defenders in Serie A. I thought top five defender uh, in Serie A over the last decade. But as we've seen, uh, Nigel, so many players that move from Serie A to the Premier League. It is a very different league. Was it Koulibaly that said that in Italy you have time to think and in the Premier League it's just pure reactions, right? That really stood out. And it it is a completely different pace. I'm not saying that the Serie A is slow. I think that's unfair. Napoli play, I mean, look at what Napoli did to to Liverpool. Granted, Liverpool is in a tough moment, uh, tougher than they've been in in the last few seasons. But Napoli play with this quote-unquote Premier League pace. Now, the issue is in Italy, not a lot of teams play the way that Napoli do. Napoli are an exception, and that's why they're doing so well. In the Premier League, it feels like it's much more across the board that you just have, you know, constant uh, pace and intensity. And that's why we've had a lot of these players have a bit of a tough time sometimes just adapting to the changes of the tactics and the, and the way that the football is played over there in, in, in England. 
You know, he asked about Cooley Bali because he didn't want to say Quaritchkelia. He just uh, stays away from that yeah, name mate. as much as possible. Well, I've done mate. That's just say Kovada. Yeah, there you go. A golf clap for you, Nigel. What do you want to chew a mini too, yeah? You go. You're watching House of Champions, Nigel Rio Coker just blabbering some nonsense right there. Matteo Bonetti joining us uh, from Serie A, P-plus team, and Jonathan Johnson over there in Paris. Uh, real quickly, before we get out of here, Matteo, um, I want to ask you about the Champions League because not only are we blessed to have Serie A, obviously, on Paramount Plus and CBS Sports, we also have the Champions League. We're blessed to be able to follow that intensely here on House of Champions. What about the Italian team's chances of getting through this next round? As far as I'm concerned, Matteo, they've got some really favorable ties. If you look at Milan, your team obviously going up against Spurs, who are in a very vulnerable yeah. position right now. Napoli will have a tough time against Frankfurt because of their supporters, but outside of that, you would expect Napoli to go through with ease. And then Inter have a game against Porto, which is probably the most difficult tie out of the loss. So um, how do you think the Italian teams will do going through this knockout stage? Yeah, the, the one I'm actually worried about the most is Milan's game with uh, with Tottenham. Uh, Milan have been an absolute disaster in the last uh, week. It's like the defenders stopped defending. Uh, Fikayo Tomori's had his worst run of form since he joined Milan, and he was one of the best defenders in the league last season. Uh, his centre-back partners have been no better. The team seems to have lost that bit of a spark. Now, I think it is a temporary moment. We've seen Stefano Pioli be able to get this team out of a difficult situation. But I'm a lot more worried for Milan, given their form, than I am right now for Inter or Napoli, who are, I mean, Inter blew Milan out of the park in the Super Cup in, in Saudi Arabia. So, and, and, and then obviously Napoli. I mean, if you have them as a dark horse to win the Champions League, first of all, what a story that would be. But two, when Napoli are on their day, who wants to play them? Because as far as I know, they have absolutely nothing to lose. No one was expecting anything from this Napoli team. They were expected to finish fifth or sixth by the bookies last summer. And they're top of the table. They've had nearly a double-digit point tally. And in the Champions League, they've been outplaying everyone, setting records in the group stage, one of the most fearsome attacks. And still, they're playing with house money. and They have nothing to lose, no expectations at this point. And I, I think Napoli is going to go further than any other team in the Champions League in Italy. Matteo, before JJ jumps in quickly, I've said it before and I'll say it again. I want Napoli to win the Champions League, all right? I don't care what Ian what or JJ or anyone else says, or even you, Milan fan. I want Napoli to win the Champions Shut League. Shut up, Nigel. Wow. It. <laughs> Are you going to be there partying in the south of Italy? That's going to be the party heard around the world. I cannot... Hey, I'll be hey, there, mate. I'll, I'll tell you this right come. now, Nigel. Oh, if Napoli... In the Champions League, me and you will fly out to the fight. We'll fly out to watch um, them celebrate the trophy. How about that? I will. I would love that as long as CBS right? plays for the flight. Then yeah, I'll be there. <laughs> Do you have a question for oh, yeah, Ian's, Ian's got first class in his contract, so don't you worry. He's going to be. Well, I'm gonna, we're going to be turning right. He's going to be turning left. That's the, the only way. The only way I go. I'm left sided, Matteo. Oh, I don't go to the right anymore. JJ, what you got? Yeah, just uh, wanted to ask Matteo on a. It's it's sort of a combination of uh, you know two two things very close to Matteo's heart. Obviously, Milan, but also the United States. Serginio Dest. There's been a lot of reports about him. Uh, you know, not staying on in Italy past the end of this season. Are you are you surprised if that turns out to be the case? Uh, do you know if it's already a decision that's been made, or if it's something that can potentially change between now and the end of the season? No, it seems like Milan do not want to keep him on. They don't want to activate that buyout. It is quite a bit of money for what essentially is a backup right back. Uh, he hasn't proven the ability to be a starter over Davide Calabria, who's more of a player who's more well-rounded, definitely a better defender. And I think that's what's hurt Serginio Des is the opportunities that he's, he's taken. He's made some big defensive blunders, as good and technical as he looks going forward. 
there is a question mark. I think he'd fit better if he was a wing back where he had three center backs behind him. But I think in a, in a, in a back four and when he's one-on-one against players, he, he tends to lunge into challenges. He tends to not look completely assured. He got he got torched by Kabatatelli, then again, who has into a penalty. So the times he has been given a chance, I just don't know. With managers that they, they just want to trust players, I don't know how much Pioli trusts Dest because of the defensive frailties that we've seen. Matt Osmond jumping in the comments here, Matteo, and saying Napoli first, Milan second, Inter third, Atalanta fourth. We have uh, Krishna saying Napoli first, Inter second, Atalanta third, Milan fourth. What says you, Matteo Benetti? How does the top four finish? I have uh, Napoli first. Amazing story. Inter second, Milan third, and then fourth place. I'm just getting a sneaky feeling now. If the if the point deduction stays, that Roma might just sneak themselves in. It might not be the most fun team to watch, but year two of Mourinho, he's starting to get a bit of run of results. Roma might sneak in. All right, we got some Serie A action coming up this week on P+. Make sure everybody goes out there and watches. Inter in action today against Empoli, Bologna, Cremonense. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. Lazio against Milan. Um, how are you expecting this week to go, Matteo? And uh, how much are you enjoying the coverage on Paramount Plus? You seem to be uh, really enjoying yourself. How could you not? We got to do all the biggest games. Uh, tomorrow, Tuesday, we're, we're in, in for the Lazio-Milan match. Uh, which is going to be very interesting to call if, if Milan continue down this road that they've been on, where they've looked absolutely dreadful in the last two matches. And so I'm, I'm, I've been, I've been so excited because this is what I've always wanted to do, right? We, we have full coverage of all the biggest games every single weekend. In two weeks from now, we're going to be in Boston in the North End. There's, we're going to be above a pizzeria. There's going to be a live crowd. Hundreds of Milan and Inter fans were there for the Derby della Madonnina on February 5th. So that's, as far as I know, the first time that this has ever happened in the United States to have a, an actual live watch party with the rights holders for a Serie A match. So big things keep happening. Obviously, we're going to be back in Italy in, in, in a few months' time. I mean, we're not confirmed, so I can't say anything. But we've been going to Italy, which, again, is the, 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 one of the first times I've been calling a game from a stadium. Normally, you do them from a booth here stateside. So there's a lot of push to, to try to grow this league and, and give it the, the professional coverage that I think it's always deserved. Yeah, you're certainly doing a great job of that. You and the crew doing a phenomenal Thanks, job on Paramount+. Plus. I'm really proud of you and the work that you've done across CBS Sports. And for what you've done for Italian football in this country, continue to do so. We look forward to maybe a little bit of a mesh. You know, we could get the House of Champions team along together with the Serie A team as you go through these crazy events. We look forward to it. I know Nigel loves a trip to Milan. That's for sure, man. See the way he dresses? Milan oh. all day long. You know, we've got to bring him to Napoli, I think, uh, given what he stole us today. Don't worry Did he do a good that, cigar mate. there? <laughs> yeah, that's the point. I need a good cigar. The cool is going to Florence as well, though. Florence is beautiful. We appreciate you, brother. Thank you so much, as always, for joining us. Oh, we look you. forward to, I mean, this was obviously your debut on House of Champions, but we look forward to having you back at some golf time uh, very soon. A little bit of a golf clap for Matteo Bonetti there. JJ, wow. thank you. Nigel Rio Coker, thank you very much. We'll be back at it again right. on Wednesday with Fabrizio for an update on the transfer market. But I just want to thank everybody out there for listening to House of Champions. Please make sure you take a minute to leave us a rating and review on your favorite podcast platform or available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and anywhere else you listen to your podcast. We're also available as videos, so subscribe to us on YouTube. Matteo, Nigel, JJ, thank you very much, boys. I appreciate you. And to everybody in the comments, we really appreciate you. Thank you so much for joining in the conversation and a shout out to the great Fabrizio as well. We'll see you again on Wednesday.